Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. We're going to tell you some more next week about the projects that we need to raise money for. Uh, Please begin to prayerfully consider a great offering. Uh, It'll be a 90-day offering. Just pray about what the Lord would have you to do. Uh, Tax checks, uh, it might come in handy here. (laughs) Uh, We're kicking off a new growth track today. Uh, If you're interested in knowing more about Life Church, I'll be teaching upstairs right after service, kicking off the new growth track. Uh, East Coast Women's Conference is coming up. Easter Sunday is only six weeks away. Our men's retreat is only seven weeks away. There's a lot of cool stuff that's happening. Uh, Also, let me throw this in before I start preaching. Uh, I think it's important for me to mention this. Tuesday is the Democratic primary uh, here in Virginia. Uh, The Republicans are not having a primary because our president is a Republican, and obviously he's running again. And here, let me just say this. If you're a Democratic voter, now this is going to surprise some of you to hear me say this, I encourage you to participate in the primary. Virginia is an open primary state, by the way, which means you can vote if you're a Republican or a Democrat. It doesn't matter. Uh, And you might say, well, Pastor, I thought you typically vote Republican. Yes, I do. And so why are you encouraged the Democrats to vote Tuesday? Because I believe we all have a civic duty to be part of the democratic process and not ignore the privilege that we have to participate. Amen? So I'm an equal opportunity offender here today. So if you're a Democrat, you ought to get involved Tuesday. And I'll tell you another philosophy I have. If you don't vote, you don't have a right to complain, Democrat or Republican. Now, let me say this, though. I think it's very important, more importantly, that you need to understand the real positions of the candidates that you vote for before you vote. Now, I'm not just talking about Social Security and Medicare, immigration, the military, communism or capitalism. Who would have thought we need to throw that qualifier out? But also the issues of abortion, marriage, freedom of religion. Come on, somebody. Parental rights. These are issues that who you vote for matters. So you need to do a little research before you go Tuesday, before you vote in November. And folks, I'm just going to remind you, some people say, I I hate it when churches talk about politics. That's what's wrong in our country. Christians, oh, Christians have not been as involved, and I expected a little bit better response than that. Christians ought to be involved. Thank you. Let me try it again. Make sure I'm in a Christian church. Christians ought to be involved. There you go. If you think a child, as Ann said, has a right to live and not die, you ought to vote. If you think as a parent you have a right to know if they're giving your teenage daughter condoms at school, you need to vote. If you think you need to be notified before your daughter has an abortion, you need to vote. And you need to vote right. So, let me ju- I just want to make sure and remind everybody this is an election year. Do your research. By all, by, please, for the love of Jesus, 
Don't trust Fox News, CNN News, or what you see on Facebook. Do your research. Do your research. So, that's my announcement. Amen. So, let's not disengage people. That's how we got where we are, being too disengaged. Now, back to church. (laughs) Today, we're beginning a brand new five-week series called What If? If you have your app on your phone, we started this next week. Pastor Pavey made this available. It's a great new feature on our app. You can take notes during the sermon. Go to the, the Life Church app. Go to the notes page. It's right there. And for those of you who are like me, you get to see a sneak peek of what the rest of the sermon is. So you can go to that app and take notes today if you'd like, uh, beginning today. Now, in this series, this five-week series, we hope to discover what would happen if we really gave every area of our life to the Lord. What impact would it have on other people around us? What difference would it make in our church, in our family, in our finances? Speaking of finances, I just reached in my pocket. I forgot to put my ties in. Well, one of our ushers come get it, amen. Man, I don't want to miss my opportunity to be blessed, amen. Praise God. Got to pay those ties. What difference would it make in our world if everybody was fully engaged? What if everybody lived up to their God-given potential? We're going to take the next five weeks to talk about just that. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 37 and verse 3. If you don't have your Bible, you can look at the Bible on the screen. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Verse 5, commit everything you do to the Lord. That's a huge verse. Trust Him, and He will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. So in this first message today, I want to preach on this subject from verse 5, commit everything. Everybody say it with me, commit everything. Now I want to begin by telling you about two very influential men, but two very different men. The first man is Dr. Martin Luther King. He was born on January 25th, 1929 at his family home in Atlanta, Georgia. He was born in the home of a Baptist preacher. His grandfather was also a Baptist preacher. And later on, he himself would become a Baptist minister. He earned a Bachelor of Divinity degree from a theological seminary in 1951 and a Doctor of Philosophy degree from Boston University in 1955. While he was at seminary, he became acquainted with Gandhi's philosophy of nonviolent social protest. It was on a trip Uh, to India in 1959 that he met with followers of Gandhi and they influenced his life in a powerful way. It was during these discussions that he became convinced that nonviolent resistance was the most potent weapon available to oppressed people in their struggle for freedom. As a pastor of a Baptist church in Montgomery, Alabama, he led the black bus boycott and because of this, he and 90 other people were arrested and indicted under the provision of a law that made it illegal to conspire to obstruct the operation of a business. He and several others were found guilty, but they appealed their case, and as the bus boycott dragged on, Dr. King gained a national reputation. It was during this time that he wrote his letter from a Birmingham jail, and it inspired the growing civil rights movement 
of the 60s when a local bus company finally gave in and dropped its policy of segregated seating, Dr. King became a national hero. In 1963, he led a massive march in Washington, uh, D.C., where he delivered his now famous I Have a Dream speech. And if you've never listened to that speech, you need to go on YouTube. Don't just hear the little clips. Listen to the entire thing. It's one of the most powerful speeches ever given in our uh, nation's capital. His tactics of nonviolent resistance uh, put the civil rights movement squarely on the national agenda. And he was turning his attention to a nationwide campaign to help the poor at the time of his assassination. He was shot while standing on the balcony of a hotel in Memphis, Tennessee on April 4, 1968. King was only 39 years old at the time of his death. But he never wavered in his insistence that nonviolent protest must remain the central tactic of the civil rights movement, nor in his faith that everybody in America should someday attain equal justice, right? This is the same man who once said, a man who won't die for something is not fit to live. This was a man who committed everything to what he believed in. That was his mission in life. Let me flip the coin to another man. His name was Adolf Hitler. On the evening of April 20, 1889, he was born the son of a customs official and a peasant girl. He was a poor student who never completed high school. In October of 1907, he saw his dreams of becoming an artist shattered when he failed the exam. He soon began to develop anti-Jewish and anti-democratic convictions, and then he joined the army in World War I. Mr. Hitler was dedicated and courageous although he wasn't promoted early on because his superiors thought he lacked leadership ability. He joined the Nazi party in September of 1919. In April of the next year, he began working full-time for the party. Hitler was soon elected the chairman of the party, so he saw his opportunity to gain power, and he jumped on it. And once Hitler gained power, he established himself as a dictator. The enabling acts allowed Hitler's government to make laws without legislature, rendering the legislature powerless. And he espoused the ideas that Germans had the right to dominate all nations because according to him, they were the highest form of human beings and they were the master race. Although Hitler's rise to power and plans for world rule had not yet been realized, he left behind a trail of misery and hate. I have read some of his writings and how he used Christianity and Jesus suffering at the hands of the Jews to justify what he did. That's one of, by the way, that's always the greatest lie that you'll ever hear is one that's laced with a little bit of truth. Just remember that, amen? Hitler had a purpose in life. And by the time it was all said and done, more than six million Jews had lost their lives. All as a result of a man who committed everything to what he believed. Two men who were committed to their purpose. One to do away with hate and bigotry and discrimination and the other man to promote hate and bigotry and discrimination. They pursued what they thought was their purpose in life. It was their heartbeat and the reason I'm standing here today talking about them is because there is power in a man or a woman that commits their life and commits everything to a cause that they are passionate about. Amen? 
It was who they were. They committed everything. Two men that changed the world for totally different reasons. What if, what if we pursued our purpose with the same vigor and intensity? It really comes down to one big word, and that word is commitment. The word commitment comes from the root word commit, which means to imprison or to connect or to entrust. By the way, if you're taking notes, I believe that's your first fill in the blanks. Commitment. It's a word that's full of big promises for those who take it seriously. It's one quality among many that we should all strive for. But what a quality it is. Commitment. See, we, we see commitment all around us. It's, it's in everyday parts of our life. When you buy that house or that car and it seems like you're signing your life away, what are you doing? You're making a commitment to the lender that you're going to pay that loan. When you pay, the reward is you get to keep the house or the car. When you don't pay, then there are consequences for not keeping your commitment. It's called repossession. (laughs) It's called foreclosure. When you said, I do, to your spouse, You made a commitment that said, we're going to stick together through the good times and the bad. And if you actually do that, then one day you might get to do what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to celebrate 30 years of wedded bliss come September. Now, I know it doesn't always turn out that way. And my heart goes out to those people who haven't seen that happen. But it comes down to that word commitment. You've got to do certain things on the job to keep your job. Your employer wants and expects somebody that they can depend on. Commitment. All goals, dreams, ideas, hopes in this world fade away without the vital ingredient of commitment. If you look at any story of success and accomplishment, you look at any business that goes somewhere or does something, you even look at any political movement, and commitment is that one element that turns up again and again and again. Whether it's an athlete or a politician, a skilled craftsman or a missionary, you name it. There are many roads to success and happiness, but hear me. None will get you there if you do not take commitment along as your walking stick. Amen? Commitment is something that I think most people should not just do, but I think it's something we all tend to agree with. But unfortunately, not everyone is willing to make a total commitment to the most important things in life. And if it's not always, and by the way, it's not always just because people are irresponsible. Sometimes people have been hurt, they've been disappointed, they've been lied to, they've been discouraged by painful and frustrating experiences that they've encountered. Some people have failed in business or they failed in their personal lives. And sometimes people just choose to take the safe route because they want to avoid pain. They want to avoid being hurt again. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's how it is sometimes. Some people have failed relationships and they're scared to go down that road again for fear that it might happen to them again. But I've observed in my life that a sure step on the road to failure, often the fatal final step, is the loss of the ability to make a commitment or to take a risk. See, a lack of commitment has caused most business failures. Many church failures and most marriage failures. It's not a lack of skill. It's not a lack of energy. It's not a lack of talent. 
Some people work and work, but they just seem to spin their wheels. Often the vital missing ingredient is total commitment to the cause that you believe in. There was a mission society that reported to have written a, a, a letter to missionary David Livingston, and they said this, Have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we have men that we want, we have some men to send that want to join you. Missionary Livingston replied back, and I quote, If you have men who will come only if they know that there's a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. Commitment, amen. See, some of us are committed if the circumstances are right. If the price is not too high. If it's easy enough to come to pass. That's not what commitment is. So in this series, we want to explore what would happen if we committed everything to the Lord. Our time, our talent, our treasure, even our testimony. What can God do with us and through us when we are fully committed? See, we cannot expect for things to come to pass or happen without any effort. Amen? Too many people are looking for the perfect job, one without too much work or too many headaches. Folks, it doesn't exist. Amen? People are looking for the perfect church. I'm just going to tell you right now, it doesn't exist. If you stay around here long enough, I'm going to say something you don't like. I might have already said it today when I talked about politics. If you stay around here long enough, you're going to shake hands with somebody that gives you the stink eye. Right? You're going to have a cup of coffee that doesn't taste very good. Somebody's going to make you mad in the lobby. Somebody's going to cut you off in the parking lot. Guess what? It's the real world. Nothing is perfect, right? You're not going to find a perfect church. You've heard me say this many times. If you do, please don't join it. You'll ruin it. Amen. <laughs> because none of us are perfect. People are looking for the perfect marriage. There is no perfect marriage. Marriage is two imperfect people doing the best they can to make it work for the glory of God. Amen? There's no perfect neighborhood. I sell real estate and I can tell you, there's something wrong with every neighborhood. Perfection is not available. But commitment is. See, what makes life work, what makes a job work, what makes a marriage work, what makes a home work, what makes a church work is commitment. Committed members, committed family members, committed workers, people that are committed to the task. So in life, if you want big rewards, you got to pay the price. There are no shortcuts. And with that being said, why would we expect anything less in the kingdom of God? Amen? There's sacrifices and sometimes the going gets tough. But total commitment to a goal or a dream will make bearable all the frustrations and disappointments of any undertaking. Without commitment, the things that are possible but tough become impossible. Without commitment. But when you commit everything to God, all kinds of things happen. Here's our text again. This time I want to read it from the New King James Version. Psalm 37 verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Proverbs 16 and verse 3 says, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Notice, what if you commit your actions, your ways, your will? What if we commit everything and trust Him? What would happen in our lives? So here's the question. How can I commit everything? 
Is committing everything really possible? Is that even realistic? I'm going to tell you right now, for a child of God, it most certainly is realistic to commit everything to the Lord. Amen? It is a goal we can strive for. It is a, 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 a mountain that we can try to climb. It is the goal that I believe that every believer should have would be to commit everything we have and everything that we are to Jesus Christ and His plan for our lives. Amen. So how do we do it? Well, today I want to finish with four principles on committing everything. Are you ready? Here's number one. Committing everything does not depend on your abilities or gifts. Doesn't depend on your abilities or gifts. Well, if I was better, if I was stronger, if I was smarter, if I was more gifted, if I had more breaks, if I, if I, if I was married to so-and-so, if I worked at such and such. No, 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 no. Commitment doesn't depend on any of those things. If you read the biographies of the great men and women who were used by God or even used around our world, you'll find that they were not necessarily smarter or faster or more educated. They were just more dedicated and committed to the cause of Christ. Hear me, committed people see things around them in a different way than non-committed people do. They're just all around different, and that difference makes them stand out in the crowd. I tell you all the time, I've been saying this for 25 years when I teach on financial stewardship. If you want to get a raise, work harder, be smarter, show up earlier than the people you work with. Succeeding financially is not complicated. Excel. (laughs) Do good. Eventually, the cream will rise to the top, especially in the day and age that we live in. Can somebody say amen? Commitment makes a difference. Committed people are loyal. They have their priorities in order. They're dreamers. They base their future on something that sometimes they can't always see. They're people of faith and not fear. Committed people sometimes are controversial. You know why? Because they're working toward things that they believe with all their heart and minds, and they're not always bound by what other people think. They're not afraid of disapproval or disagreement of the masses. Can I tell you right now, if I would have listened to every objection, this would still be a a, a piece of land with an old house sitting on it, and we would still be meeting at some school right now. Because I had so many people that told us, we can't do it, we can't afford to do it, there's no way, but here we are. Here we are. We're not the biggest church in town, certainly not the prettiest church in town, but you know what? This is a result of not just me, but many of you that committed to a purpose and a task. It doesn't depend on our abilities and gifts. We have a God confidence. And that's what makes the difference. Commitment does not depend on your abilities as gifts as much as it does your faith and your heart. You know what I know? Committed people can learn skills. But you can't teach desire. Amen? I can't make you want what I want for you. I can teach you how to get there, but I can't put the fire in your heart that makes you make it come to pass. You know what I've learned? I'm in my 50s now. After all these years of pastoring, I've finally come to the place where I've I've, I've come to the conclusion. I can't make people want to get to heaven as much as they need to want to get to heaven. I can try, but I can't drag you with me. I got to worry about my own self. Amen. I got to make sure I get there we got to have something on the inside, and it does not depend on our abilities or our gifts. Number two, committing everything is the result of choices, not conditions. 
Everybody say choices, not conditions. See, people don't make great commitments because their conditions are great. They make commitments because they choose to do what is right in spite of their conditions. Come on, do I need to say that again for somebody? They don't make commitments because their conditions are great. They make commitments because they choose to do what is right in spite of the conditions. See, our society likes to blame our conditions on our progress. I was born the wrong skin color. I was born in the wrong neighborhood. I've got my trigger points. I'm the wrong gender. I'm the wrong socioeconomic status. Folks, can I just be real? These are all just excuses that will hold you back if you continue to believe the lie of the enemy. Come on, amen. Tell Dr. King that. Tell Dr. King that. He didn't let his color hold him back, and he lived in a much more difficult time than what we live in. Tell people that are achieving all around us today that they can't do it. Tell people that it's the result of their conditions. No, 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 no. Committed people don't quit. They persevere. Commitment brings out a special endurance. And folks, if you are committed to the cause of Jesus Christ, you know that you are going to make it. Amen. You're going to make it. Today, what God is looking for is a group of people who will answer the call of what if. What if. People who are willing to commit themselves to His cause, to His kingdom, to fulfilling their relationship with Him. See, your commitment to God will carry you through the tough times if you let it. Because I'm just going to tell you, if you think commitment is tough, indecision is exhausting. (laughs) If you think commitment's hard, try wavering your entire life. If you think commitment is difficult, try just laying down and let the world run over you every time they want to. Amen? you got to stand up. Wavering and wandering are far more difficult than planting your flag in the ground and making a difference and saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Commitment will carry you through difficult places in your life, in your marriage, in your job, with your kids. Because we learn to recognize it's about a choice, not conditions. And I believe it's time for those who have maybe wavered or vacillated just to come on over to the blessings of the committed life. Here's what James said in James 1, 5 through 8. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You know, I love that part where he said, without finding fault. God, I need your help. I need your wisdom. He's like, and I go, man, God, you're so dumb. (laughs) No, no, no. He he doesn't find any fault. He says he'll give it to you generously. Amen. Verse verse 6 says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Amen. See, it's time for us as committed Christians to stop wavering on issues in your life that you know that God has talked to you about. Now, can I just be pastor here for a moment? See, if you're a new believer, you get a pass on this. But if you've been a believer for a little bit of time, there does come a time when we got to put the baby bottle down and pick up the T-bone steak and the A1 sauce and the knife and say it's time for me to eat a little meat and not just drink milk. Amen. 
Sometimes we need to just commit to certain things that we know God is talking to us about. Godliness, holiness. It might be tithing. It might be faithfulness to the house of God. It might be faithfulness to your spouse. Whatever it is. Don't let worldly influence and compromised commitments pull you down. Because commitment to everything is the goal of a growing disciple of Jesus. Hebrews 5, 12. You've been believers so long now. You ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Folks, let's not still be on the milk when we should be on the meat. Committing everything doesn't depend on our abilities or gifts. It's the result of our choices and not our conditions. And number three, committing everything starts with the little things. Everybody say the little things. Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Don't miss this verse. Nobody ever made a big commitment without first learning how to make some little commitments along the way. Amen? Living for God is a lot like learning to walk. You gain new confidence with each step. What if you were faithful over all the little things in your life? You may say, well, man, I want to start reading the Bible. Great. We've already talked about this in our 40 days of prayer. But why not start with a chapter a day? Take those steps of commitment. If you're not praying, why don't you start praying for 10 minutes every morning before work? Just start there. What a huge, significant step that will be in your walk with God. Little things that become big things. You say, I'm scared my finances are rough. Why don't you start tithing? Watch God open up the windows of heaven in your life. And when the Lord sees that He can trust you with little, He's at liberty. The Scripture said to bless you with much. He who is faithful in the little things, right? See, you can master the big things in your life by learning to get control of the little things in your life. How do you eat an elephant? Somebody say it. One bite at a time. You need to get the little things under control before you move on to the big things. You run a mile before you sign up for a marathon. Of course, in this day and age, you don't even have to run now to enter marathons. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty fun. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going I'm to do a 5K. I'm going to walk the whole time. That's great, amen. But we got to make those steps. The little things make a difference. I want the praise team and the musicians to come. Here's my final point on commitment. Committing everything gives you something to live for. It gives you something to to live for. See, people everywhere are dying to find purpose in life. They're longing for peace in the midst of life's storms. It gives you something to live for when you're committed. See, for a lot of people, inner peace is just always out of reach. You know why? They're not living for the right things. And for many of us as Christians, our our commitment does much more for us than a lot of people realize. You know, today I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to them because we've talked about the Pregnancy Center. I'm sure Ann and Emily and Sarah 
could probably all make more money at another job. But you know what they're doing? This is not just about work for them. This is about a commitment to something that's making a difference for eternity. Amen? And I think you ought to give them a big hand right now. See, commitment recognizes my life is about more than just what I'm doing right now. Gary's illustration fits in perfectly. That big giant rope that he had up here, amen? Just that little teeny sliver that represents our life. And then that long expanse of rope that represents eternity. And what we forget is what we do now sets us up for that. And sets other people up for that. Committing everything gives you something to live for. Amen. I want you to stand with me all over this house. You guys start playing. People everywhere, they want to find purpose. And for us as Christians, our commitment does much more for us than many people realize. Guys, we need to commit everything. Can I say this in love? In 2020, the Christian church, we feel committed if we show up to church. Three out of four Sundays. If we pay our tithe. If you pay your tithe, you're already in the top percentage of Christians. I can just tell you right now. Maybe the top 15%. Because about 80% of the people that go to church don't tithe. We define that by serving on a dream team. If you serve. And folks, all of these are measures of commitment. But you know what? I think we have restricted our Christian experience to what happens inside this box. Amen. I'm serving on my team. I'm dropping in my little yellow envelope when the burgundy bag comes by. I'm showing up a few Sundays a month. Don't press me. Take what you get. You see, we're forgetting. It's not about us. We're living for Him. And you know what? Hear me. I guarantee you the work that God wants you to do is bigger than what's happening in this box. Come on. We're so busy talking to each other and loving on each other. We're taking good care of the fish that are in the aquarium and we've forgotten about all the fish out in the sea. We've forgotten about the drug addicts and the guys that are locked up. Carter Cobb, raise your hand. Carter Cobb's been talking to me for the last few months. He's getting ready to start getting involved in a jail ministry, a prison ministry. You're going to hear a little bit more about that. You know what? Nobody's going to give him a big prize. Nobody's going to write him a check. Nobody's going to do anything, but guess what? You may not want to stand up next to him when you get to heaven because I bet you his crown's going to be wobbling a lot. As you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. You mean I just want to know, what if we really ask God, what would my life look like if I committed everything? He needs to turn it on. Would I be standing on a stage singing? Would I be standing with a microphone speaking? Would I be out feeding the homeless? Would I be volunteering once a week at a pregnancy center? Would I be helping people on Skid Row? Would I be going to the jails with Carter? Would I be going to the nursing home? with people who are at the end of their life and just pouring some love and showing the love of Jesus in their twilight. What would a committed life look like? 
What does a committed marriage look like? What does committed parenting look like? I, I don't know what it always looks like, but I know where it starts. God, I give you everything. I give you my will. I give you my thoughts and my prayers and my passions. I give you all the dark places in my life because I need you to help me clean those up. God, I give you my marriage. I give you my kids. I give you my job. I give you my church. I give you my involvement. God, I just give it all to you. I'm ready to commit everything. Everything. See, my commitment to God gives me something to live for every day because I know it's not just about today. You can't see commitment, but you can see the results of commitment. And today, I believe God would like to see a fresh commitment from every one of us. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. I want to open this altar right now. And I, I wish everybody would just come and squeeze around this altar. I'm going to open this altar and just encourage you right now just to step out and say, God, some of you, it might be the first time. I'm going to commit everything to the Lord. I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to invite you in. But for the rest of us who are believers, why don't you step out and say, God, I'm recommitting myself today. March 1, 2020, God, I'm committing everything. Even every area that I'm withholding from you, God, whether it's my finances or my time or, or my treasure, my, my talents, if I'm not sharing my testimony, whatever Start it is, God, course. I'm just going to commit everything to you because I want you to make an eternal difference in my life. Would you come? Would you come? Praise team. Why don't you leave? Say amen. God, I'm committing my marriage. I'm committing my children. I'm committing everything, God. I want to be right before you. I want to be right in your sight, God.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we commit it all to you. 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 Hallelujah. 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 We go to the three next on the next note. Commit it all to you. Praise God. God is good, amen. He's so good, he's so good. Hallelujah. All right, I'm gonna issue a, I want to issue a challenge. How many, how many bottles do y'all have out there on the table? Do you know? A hundred? Hundreds? Let's try not to let them go home with bottles in their boxes today. Amen. amen. You'll know what I'm talking about when you go out in the lobby. It's a little small baby bottle. Just put quarters, put your change in it. It's a 30-day, 60-day, whatever campaign. Just fill it up and bring it back. Bring it back to Life Church. We'll make sure that the Pregnancy Center gets it. Uh, stop by their table. If you haven't taken the growth track yet, we're going to be starting upstairs in about 10 minutes. Feel free to join us. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Have a great day in the house of the Lord. God bless you. We will see you this Friday night for First Friday Prayer. First Friday Prayer, this Friday night, 7 o'clock. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.